News Talk 1110-993-WBT, hour number two, the Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete of the show, and I want to welcome to the program, first up is, uh, make sure I've got these in the right order, this is John Rogers, Dr. John Rogers. He's the founder and president of Redo Voting. John, how are you, sir? Hello, Pete. I'm well Thank you. Absolutely. And Brian Orovitz, he is a co-founder and chief executive officer of Redo Voting. How are you? Pretty darn good. How are you? Good. All right. So everybody can hear everybody okay? You got it. Yes. Good. All right. So I know this might be a little uh, uh, awkward uh, going back and forth on the phone like this, but I'll try to make sure I direct a question to one uh, of you so this way you're not talking over each other, but feel free to piggyback on the other if uh, if you want to. So I'll, I'll leave your room after, uh, like, so I'll start with... Uh, with John here, I guess. And uh, first, I'll ask, how did you guys uh, meet up and get into this project uh, and start this this effort? Well, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it as quick as I possibly can. Uh, a couple of years ago, Brian gave me a call because he was interested in getting a consulting firm started. So I agreed to help him on nights and weekends, and we, we started talking back and forth about uh, governance models and uh, decision-making uh, uh, processes, that kind of thing. And uh, once we had a, a fairly good set of, uh, of, of ideas put together, we started squirreling around looking for a problem to solve. And uh, we kept coming back to the same one. Brian and I are both military veterans. And so we spent some time away from home, and we've had to deal with uh, military voting. And we were aware that uh, there's always been uh, at least some kind of contention about uh, how voting is done. So we kept coming back to that, and we started uh, putting together some ideas for a voting application. Uh, and, and that was going okay. We were, we were able to get uh, <clears throat> a, a pretty decent uh, uh, security protocol set up, and uh, we started talking to some uh, election integrity experts about this. But at some point, we came to the realization that because... Uh, applications that run through uh, the Internet or off a smartphone uh, have to be picked up through an application store. Those application stores can get into those applications. Mm. So uh, an application like that is neither trustworthy nor secure. And so we we, we played with it for a while and and really were unable to come up with a good answer, so we went back to the drawing board. So instead of looking for uh, a way to do an application, we thought to ourselves, okay, what is already absolutely secure and absolutely trustworthy, and how do we teach it how to vote? And so that's how we wound up getting into Redo Voting. All right, so Brian, tell us then, what is Redo Voting? What's the concept? So Redo Voting, the concept, one, first of all, it's an unhackable, and I know we're saying that, and it's antagonizing the nerds to no end, but we're saying <laughs> it for a reason. Uh, it is fully auditable in real time, which means... When the election's going down, we'll release the code to everybody what it wants to watch. So, and then the best part is you get paper ballots, you get a ballot receipt, your identity is concealed, and no machines, no drop boxes, no absentee ballots. Polls close at 7, we'll give you the results at 7.30 for everybody. All right. Um, so explain this, Brian. Explain this to me like I have no idea what you're talking about on the technological side because... Well, I have no idea what you're talking about on the technological side, so run me through this process like I'm an idiot. You got it. So first of all, not to make you feel like an idiot, but if you can work a scratch-off lottery ticket or an ATM machine, you're good to go. I'm out. No, I'm kidding. It's it's very complex, (laughs) as you can tell. But that said, a couple key components here. Everybody's got a driver's license or a state-issued ID. On those IDs in all 50 states, you will find a star in the upper right corner. 
That's the real ID system, which means you're a verified citizen and we know who you are. So what happens is any voter can go to any place. Um, we're not going to get on the, a lottery discussion. I'm using this for reference. Mm-hmm. But anybody that anywhere you can go get lottery tickets, booze, cigarettes, all the good stuff, uh, and they have a scanner, a credit card scanner, you can literally register to vote there and get your ballots. So let's say you walk in wherever. It could be a government building. It's up to the state to decide. You go in and you get your ballot. <clears throat> and these look like postcards. Um, they have your state on it. In the lower left-hand corner, there's a barcode. That clerk simply scans that barcode. That brings up the system for the state, which is located on a state lottery infrastructure server, which has never been hacked. It verifies your identity. Then he scans the back of your identification. Then you scratch off the first QR code, which is 17 layers of latex. It's never been seen before. Only you will see it ever. And it lets you confirm your information, change your address if you need to, put your zip code in, then you create a PIN code, you hit submit, you're done, you're no longer a name in the system, you are a hash. So if you think of blockchain, everybody knows what blockchain is, a a hash, which in this case is a SHA-3 hash, is half of a blockchain. We're going one direction with it, can't hack that either. So you confirm your information, the next day comes along, voting day comes along, you scratch off that second QR code on that ballot. And it doesn't matter where you're at because you don't need a device. You just need a camera and a web browser. So you can go anywhere for this. What happens then is your slate of candidates is pulled up. You make your selections. You put your PIN code in. You hit submit. You've just voted securely. It's been captured in a database, which, by the way, when we release the code, everybody will find it's mathematically verifiable instantly. Once you've done that, you're done. If you keep your ballot, there's a third scratch off. Under that QR code is your private link to your ballot, which is available on a government server in perpetuity, and you can download it. That is the only thing that has your name on it, who you voted for, when you voted, so it's a verification that your vote was counted and accepted. And as long as you have the ballot card with a link to that and a printable copy, and by the way, we will also send a PDF copy of your receipt if you like via email, you have proof that you voted. And then the fourth scratch-off, if required, if the state needs to audit this and to have a paper trail, that is actually scanned by the poll worker. And it's using their device, so the poll worker is now also identified in all of this. And think, in case things get weird, because, you know, it looks like they're happening to get weird around the country. Mm-hmm. So we have full chain of custody from start to finish. These ballots are printed by the exact same printers that make scratch-off lottery tickets and your passports. They're delivered by the same security people using the same processes. And because we're real nerds and we like to make things easy, well, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. We're veterans and we, we like to make things ridiculously easy. <laughs> we're not even IT line item. We're a printing line item. So if the state wants to do this, they just need to order the ballots from the printer. So this can work with existing systems? You got it. Do you prefer that, or do you prefer the whole thing to be your system? We would obviously, we realize this is new, and it's a little bit of a shock to the system, and it's akin, really, literally, this is like going from walking into a bank, talking to a bank teller, to using an ATM machine, as far as a shift in technology goes. That said, we can work side by side. In fact, I would, you know, ask any state, let us run a private proof of concept right next to your current system, which probably has a machine. We'll do everything side by side in real time. When the polls close, we'll hand over the code and the results while the machines are doing whatever they're doing. So, uh, John. Said, if we do it ourselves, yeah. you have verifiable results instantaneously. So does this get rid of 
the problems that we are seeing right now in Arizona where they had problems with like the machines and then the reporting? And does it get rid of problems like ballot harvesting? We could have cleaned up their entire voter roll and solved the problem already. If we were talking about if we did their last election, all of their, their we were literally because we're using a real ID system. We verify the voter roll while we're at it, which is a nice little bonus. Um, but we would have you would have election results in Arizona right now, even if people used absentee and ballot box, which those wouldn't have to exist anymore. I would actually take that a step further. Not only does it solve the problem, it eliminates the potential for the problem. Yep, it can't possibly happen. Oh, excuse me. Before we go on to something else, there there are actually three things that I wanted to clarify on what Brian said before. Uh, the first is not everybody knows what blockchain is. <laughs> True. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the nerd. But, uh, <laughs> to simplify, what we're talking about is secure hash algorithms. A secure hash algorithm is taking an input of a variable link and turning it into a uniform link and, uh, and encrypting it and sending it forward. Now, the important thing about this particular encryption is that it is a one-way encryption. A two-way encryption requires a password. This doesn't have a password, so there is no practical way to break that encryption. John, yeah, explain that one-way versus two-way. So one-way is like I'm just sending information to you. A two-way would be I'm sending information and you're sending it back. That is correct, yes. Gotcha. So it's being one-way, you don't need a password. That's right. Correct. So there's no way to break it. It's, it's similar to trying to shoot a bullet out of the air when you don't know when it's going to be fired or what direction it's going. So theoretically possible, in a practical sense, it's not going to be broken. And even if someone could hack it, what kind of damage could they do to an election? Oh, no. let's say they did hack it. They yeah. have to hack one vote at a time. <laughs> and it would take a nation-state-grade-level computing to do just one. Yeah, since every single transaction completely revets the system, if somebody tries, they're going to be caught immediately. So there are a couple of um, what I'll say, uh, big rocks, I think, is the consultant term for this, right? Obstacles, challenges, whatever. Um, And you've mentioned a couple of them. I'm not sure if you've encountered them, but uh, I want to ask you about some of the obstacles that that lay ahead of you as you try to get this this system uh, off the ground and into uh, actual practice. So uh, let me take a break. We're going to do some traffic and weather, and uh, and then we'll come back. We're talking with John Rogers and Brian Orovitz from Redo Voting. You can see the website, redovoting.com. That's redovoting.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We're talking about an entirely new way of voting. Redo voting is the concept, redovoting.com. And I'm joined by Brian Orovitz, Chief Executive Officer, Chief Technology Officer, and one of the founders, along with John Rogers, who is also the president of Redo Voting. And uh, guys, one of the, uh, or well, let me, I'll just name them really quick. All right. Some of the, some of the challenges that I see, and these are not technical challenges, because again, I'm an idiot on all of that side of the operation. However... Uh, it seems to me like you're going to get pushback because you mentioned voter ID. You mentioned verification of voter rolls, cleaning up voter rolls. You've mentioned instant results, which, of course, would eliminate post-election lawsuits and a revenue stream for a lot of litigators. And uh, 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 disenfranchised voters, people who don't have the technology. These, to me, seem like the big lifts for you. So... Uh, who would like to start with that? Should I go with John to start with this or, or Brian? 
Yeah, it's safer to go with John. Thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, it doesn't really matter what year the election is. Half of the electorate is going to think that the election system is wonderful and perfect, and the other half is going to think that it's a great big mess. Think back to uh, the 2000 presidential election. The side that lost was absolutely convinced that everybody was cheating. Think back to 2016. The side that lost was absolutely convinced that the other side was cheating. Then we come back to 2020, 2022, and it's the same thing. People who win elections don't have a problem with the election system. It really boils down to that. If it's working for them, then it's perfect and they don't want to change it. So no matter what the atmosphere is, whoever is winning elections is going to say that the election system works perfectly. So we're always going to face half the country that feels like it's not a problem. So that's probably the biggest thing we're going to run into there. Mm-hmm. What about the voter ID issue? Because it's tied to having a state-issued ID, no? Well, it, it is and it isn't. The key is that every ballot is tied to a registration. So if, you, if, if the state laws don't require you to show an ID, okay, there is some way of identifying you. When you go in, you show whatever identification you have to to get yourself a ballot. We do election integrity. Voter integrity is responsibility of the state. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't stop a state from being able to use a system if they don't have a photo ID requirement. Somebody called in and asked this question. Um, does the, So you mentioned uh, state-issue ID. What about passports? Would those count? If the state um, accepts it as, as, as ID, yes. And that's an important note. We don't change any state laws. Even right now, <clears throat> we already comply with all state election laws currently. We do not change any of them. Have you, have you guys made any outreach or in, have you had any discussions in North Carolina that you're at liberty to discuss? Not enough of them, but uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Dean Taylor out there, if uh, we, could, we could use that help uh, you just offered. <laughs> He's one of your listeners. Oh, no, uh, Tyler. Yeah, that guy, Tyler. Uh, yes. No, this is different. Dean Taylor, he just, I just got an email from him. Oh, fantastic. So, okay. Yeah, so what we, we have started to make inroads there. Um, we've been very fortunate. Uh, again, we're KG military guys, so we've been very fortunate in, in tracks and insofar. We've gotten to secretaries of states, governors, uh, AGs, state reps. Um, we're seeking to, to, to come into Carolina pretty hard. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I, I would offer, uh, I do, I offer whatever assistance I can provide to you if you need introductions or something to make a pitch. I would, you know, I don't know how many lawmakers in North Carolina are going to be uh, expert enough to ask the technological questions required, but, um, yeah, I mean, I would be very interested to see a pilot program run just to just to test it. Have you guys actually done something like that on the ground yet that you, that you could, like, I don't know. Yes, thank you for saying that. Yes, we've got several proof of concepts on the ground right now in some battleground states. I think some people would be very, very surprised. We are doing these proof of concepts on our own dime, and we ask that you bring your nerds. This is open source software. They get it. It'll speak the language, so they then in turn can go to the state shot callers and say this is good stuff. Here's another thing to consider. This is very similar to lottery technology, the document technology that goes with the lottery, the actual IT technology. That stuff's never been hacked. You already have the environment to do this. Now, let's take it a step further. Not only are we able to do this, we could install this in, in a week. Average voter cost per voter is $8.10 in this country, according to MIT. 
We can do it for five. So we advocate you put that money back into social services, get to the people who are disaffected, the people that are handicapped, the people in senior living facilities, anybody that says they can't vote, yes, they can. So it's it's a very simple process, and we are willing to do a proof of concept on our dime. John, do you have, I was going to uh, give you a chance to follow up if there was something else you wanted to add there. Oh, yes. I, actually, I, mean, I need to go back to the beginning of the conversation because there are two more clarifications yeah. that I need to make because one of them has the potential to cause some confusion. When Brian was talking about the PDF of your vote, he said that your name and the people that you voted for was on the PDF. Your name is not on the PDF because remember that you are a secure hash out there on the Internet. You're not you. That preserves the, uh, the anonymity of the voter. The other thing that does is that it facilitates the opportunity for the state to do a hand recount if it's required to. Now, with this system, it's, that's akin to printing out an email to see if it matches what's on the screen. It doesn't really do you any good. But you can take that entire file and you can print it out to a single printer with a couple of state troopers standing around it to make sure that it's not messed with and make sure the hand recount is going to be absolutely uh, fair and true. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention is uh, our compatibility with other systems. Mm -hmm. We are absolutely compatible with other systems. But even at Fort Knox, if you leave the back door open, the security doesn't do you a whole lot of good. As we are the most secure voting system on the planet, if we are coupled with somebody else, the only thing that can happen is that our security will be degraded by the holes in theirs. So you would prefer, as we mentioned earlier, you'd prefer it just be your system in total. Absolutely. Right. Well, that's and, what makes and, the most sense, yes. Yeah, and, and the reality is you also do not have to pay for poll workers. You don't have to pay to buy the machines, the support cost to support the machines, the cost to deploy the machines, and then the lawsuits that come after. Mm-hmm. So uh, resistance to yeah. going to online voting, but the fact is that is the next logical evolution. And there is a paper ballot. I mean, that's yes. the thing. There is a there is a piece of paper, and I know there's some old school people, and I, I want the paper ballot. There is a paper yes. ballot. There's a scratch-off on it. Mm-hmm. They also have a paper receipt, and that receipt yeah. can be printed out at a centralized location and used for a hand recount. So all of those boxes are checked. And if I don't print the receipt, and uh, that, that then can be, that's lost forever? Well, no. If you still got your QR code, you just scan it again and gotcha. take back the PDF file. Okay. Um, what then, I think the concerns about that were that people could, uh, could sell their votes. If they take a, fo- a, a, a copy of their vote, they could bring it to, like, the union hall, and then they get paid for the vote. Well, if the union hall wants to go ahead and pay them, I guess that's up to the union hall. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't allow them to get into the system and, and cause havoc. Right. No, I, I understand that, but I, I think the like there's a reason why you don't get a receipt, basically, of how you voted is because of that very reason. Is because of vote buying schemes, like the, is the way that you would prove to the the ward bosses and such that you actually did follow through and vote for the person that they wanted to. Um, the PDF. There's no reason why you couldn't print it out, mop it up, and pretend to have voted for somebody else. Now you're thinking. So, I mean, that's that's a big old rabbit hole. Yeah. No, I, I, that's what I say. Like, I try to see these different angles, and I saw this running argument that you had when uh, we were lining this up, and uh, there's a, uh, a guy who's a troll of the program, uh, and, uh, and, and so he started going after you guys, which I found kind of interesting because I literally, all I said was, 
I'm looking into redo voting. That's all I said. I'm just, I'm, just I'm, I'm looking into it. I was made aware of it, and I'm interested in learning more. And he attacked me as if I'm pushing this thing as if it's a right wing uh, uh, utopian vision. And I, you know, I could not follow all of your back and forth with him on the technical side. But I thought it was important that you guys pointed out that this is not a partisan endeavor. Correct. Yeah. And and, I, and I've got to say to Tyler's to Tyler's benefit, we've we've actually started to have a fantastic dialogue. Yeah. In his defense. Yeah, yeah, right. Which is, and uh, that's why I didn't say anything. I just watched it unfold because the the information, what I could, you know, what what I could understand, seemed important. So, and you guys were speaking the same language. Sure, he's good. Yeah. The questions we believe we gave him some legitimate answers. In fact, we wound up moving much of that discussion off of Twitter and uh, to email. Right. And Tyler said he may call in today, but my impression was that Tyler is uh, far more open to the idea now than he was when he saw it on Twitter. Yeah. So, and, and that's right. I think that uh, because you guys speak that same language, I think that's the only way you win those converts. Yeah. Yeah. We have nothing to hide. We just want the voice of the people to be the voice that makes the decisions. Yeah. Brian Orovitz and John Rogers from Redo Voting. You can see their website, redovoting.com. They've got FAQs up there, they've got videos. They walk you through the whole process on the website. Go check them out and uh, you know, consider them for uh, support if you can. Thanks for your time, gentlemen. I appreciate it. And you've got my email as well. Uh, and I'm serious if I can do anything to uh, uh, to foster any kind of uh, interaction with uh, General Assembly members to get you a sit-down with them or something. I'm happy to try and do that for you. We're uh, going to take you up on it. And, man, thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful offer. All right, thank Great you, guys. You. Yeah, well, good, uh, good work as well, and I appreciate it. I'll be following along on the Internet, and uh, this will be up available also on the uh, podcast, so you can take advantage of that, too. Talk 1110-993 WBT. Thanks again to John Rogers and Brian Orovitz from Redo Voting, redovoting.com. And uh, got a, there's a couple of emails here. Bob says, Pete, why would Democrats accept Redo Voting folder all when the NC voter ID law is too restrictive? Right. Well, this is, that's why I said that's what, this is going to be one of the obstacles, I think. But it's it's going to be clarifying, right? If because I look, I, I I am not an expert on the tech side. I cannot speak to any of the tech side of this at all. And uh, as you heard them say, we want the people to come and challenge us. We want to address these concerns, and and they're they're not kidding about that. I literally there was a, a, a you heard us talking about this guy named Tyler. He has called into the show before. He's a guy who basically stalks Congressman Dan Bishop's Twitter feed. And attacks Dan Bishop, and apparently Dan tweeted or retweeted something of mine the other day. And when that happened, uh, Tyler latched on or something, and um, that's how he started attacking the redo voting thing, as it'll be hacked and all of this. And the guys from Redo Voting started responding to him. They then took it off of Twitter, went into emails, and they were going back and forth and addressing. All of these technical things that Tyler was bringing up as a way to poke holes in it, and they kept going back at him saying, that's not applicable, we are aware of that, oh yes, we are aware of this organization, we've been members for a decade, like, all of the, the quote, evidence he was bringing, they they refuted, and I, I don't know how it ended, uh, they may have uh, 
probably Tyler did, took me off of the email chain because I, <laughs> so I wouldn't see it. But that's what they want. I can attest that they are serious. They want people to challenge them because it's all open source, right? They want people to challenge it, poke holes in it if you can, because that's the way you're going to build a better system. So on the technology side, I can't help them. But on the, you know, on the marketing PR side, the political side of this, yes, absolutely. The voter ID component, that's going to be the hangup for Democrats. That's what they will say they cannot do. Now, what you just heard Brian and John say was that the response is, look, if you are if you implement this platform, this system, then the cost of voting goes down 40%. The cost to the state budgets go down 40%. Take that money and go do outreach. Take that money and go fund the, what was it, the Republicans said when they passed the voter ID, they said we're going to put a bunch of money, I forget how many millions of dollars, we're going to put it into this account, we're going to buy some vans, and we're going to go to people's houses, and we're going to make their IDs in the van at the house or something. Right? Like This was the idea. Mobile ID creation units, right? And then, of course, you could also hit the college campuses and get the... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But you you could you could take the money, the savings from the administration of the elections, and you could then pour that money into ID services. So everybody gets their IDs. Will that be enough? No. If you're arguing in good faith and you're actually looking for solutions, and you know me, I'm all about solutions... So if you're looking for solutions, this to me seems like something that is worth a proof of concept pilot. It's worth it to see if this thing runs. And I wish this was like the uh, the convention of states. They did a proof of concept a couple, uh, probably about two years ago, I want to say, maybe three. They literally held a convention of states, mock convention, a mock convention of states to run through and see how it would perform. They do this with mock trials, right? This is why you run experiments and that sort of thing. So I I want to see this thing work. Just like when, so when North Carolina, or hey, back up, 2000, John mentioned the 2000 election with the hanging chads and Florida and all of that. That's when North Carolina went to the machines. And I remember the first time that I went in there, because I was covering, I was a reporter at the time, and I was I went down to, you know, Michael Dickerson was still the elections director here in Mecklenburg County. And he was uh, talking about the machines and they had one out and they were doing the bidding for the uh, particular uh, hardware. And when I first went in to vote after we got those machines and I still do it every election, I literally do this every time I vote on one of those machines, I run it through the paces. So if anybody ever audits the vote, they're going to know which one's mine because there's, there's like 40 or 50 quote, mistakes made on the ballot, <laughs> right? I vote for one, I delete it. I vote for one, I delete it. I vote for another, I delete that. I go And I just back and forth. And I make sure that that thing is tracking everything that I'm doing. I give it a workout. So I want to see this system get a workout. It doesn't have to be here in North Carolina, but maybe it could be. Now, Bob also points out that uh, Redo Voting could be a signatory sponsor for the... Um, for the Votainer campaign. It's true. Votainer. I will give that word to whoever will publicize it. Whoever makes that word happen and gets it into the dictionary, I don't care who gets the credit as long as it gets in the dictionary, and I don't have to ever hear the term vote-getter again. Votainer, people. Votainer.
Um, there were a couple of questions I got uh, about where is it? Where did it go? Hang on a second. Oh, this was from my friend Ray Cooper. They point out that the lottery servers have never been hacked, but nation state actors have never had incentive to attack them. Okay, I don't agree with that, but I'll finish the tweet. Russians hacking the NC lottery would be obvious when Boris Putin keeps winning. <laughs> right? Yes, of course. Um, of course it would. But here's the thing. Why wouldn't they have why wouldn't they have hacked lottery systems before for the money? It's not worth it. The time isn't worth it. So and again, keep in mind that the uh, the, the machines is not where the hack would occur. You'd have to hack the ballot. And even if you devoted the time and resources, is my understanding of it, even if you devoted the computational power necessary, and they've got a breakdown of this, I will get into it in a minute. It's beyond my scope of understanding, but for the tech heads and nerds out there, you guys will get it. The computational power necessary to hack one ballot would only get you one ballot, and it is immense. There isn't any point in the chain of custody where somebody gets a hold of all the ballots. Because you're and and because as soon as you cast the vote, it posts immediately, you can't see it getting changed. That's why they say you'd have to shoot the bullet out of midair, not knowing where the bullet's coming from or going, or when it's fired. Because that's where the that's the person sending the ballot in, and it's a one direction thing, and you don't know where it's going. You don't know where it's coming from, you gotta just take a shot. And then even even if you're successful. Even if somehow or another you were able to do that, that's one ballot. You would have to do it millions and millions of times, right, to affect an outcome of a major race. Hey, it's going on right now. DAV and Recruit Military joining forces to attract, hire, and retain military veterans and military spouses in the Southeast. They've got a uh, virtual job fair. It's a free hiring event for all transitioning members of the military, veterans, military spouses, and dependents. It's going on right now until 3 p.m. It's online. And go to RecruitMilitary.com. That's RecruitMilitary.com. And uh, remember, tonight at 8.50 on the WBT Facebook page, Brett Wintable will be your host for uh, President, former President Trump's big announcement. I wonder what he'll say. We're talking about redo voting and this idea, uh, you can see all the details at redovoting.com, this idea that we can have these paper ballots that are basically like lottery tickets. You scratch off one of the codes. It's got four different, you know, like little scratch-off boxes. You scratch off one, and it gives you one of those QR codes. You've seen them. They're little boxes with the black and white squares all in them. And you scan that thing into your phone or a tablet at a polling station, and you scan that in, boom, now you've got your ballot, you've, or now you've connected with the uh, with the uh, the state ID system. You've identified yourself as one of the mem- one of the people on their registration rolls. You then uh, you scratch off another one, I guess, and then you get the code to vote. You vote, you send it in. It's one way transmission. Vote gets tallied immediately. Done, and they say it's unhackable. Let me get to a couple of the uh, phone calls here. First up is Mark. Hello, Mark. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pete. Hey. Um, this is very interesting. I'm one of those propeller heads that uh, understand the jargon. Okay. Guests and that. Uh, my concern is is that uh, that I really don't know how to put this, but um, 
I voted my first presidential one, I could present the fee statement at the college I was attending and vote vote in a different uh, centralized voting place on the campus and then sign an oath I didn't vote anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I think some of this with this concept would invalidate those laws that you'd have to report to your precinct, and that's what I really like about this. And I like about the security. The only way that you could actually do this would be, as you said, the tablet at at your precinct's polling place. There's nothing that has to be changed. Right. It's just, it's just a rev of the current machines we just used. Right, and most people would just use their own phones. Most people would use their own hardware. That's where I have a problem. Okay. Because because it costs money to secure with a virtual private network, mm-hmm. a, virtual, a VPN setup mm-hmm. to phones are hackable by jailbreak phones, mm-hmm. and that's what I have a problem with. So, all right, so the concern there would be what, that they get into your phone, somebody hacks your phone and gets your ballot? I appreciate everything. that They can see that I voted, and I possibly do something, do something uh, to that. But the encryption between Android and Apple has, has improved. However, you know, the, I'm not going to name the products. I'm not going to name the open source, yet a VP, yet a virtual private network tunnel is still hackable. So these companies would have to accommodate that particular tunnel, and people have to have their subscriptions paid up. For example, the ones that are not bundled with identity theft protection and remediation, uh, uh personal reputation protection, et cetera, all the other packages. No, it has to be a secure tablet. No, so here's what they say. VPN, and I'll go for this. All right, he says, each individual QR code contains a unique one-way secure hash algorithm, or SHA, shared only by the other three QR codes on that one ballot. So there are four scratch-offs. They're all uh, connected on that one ballot. SHA is a mathematical algorithm that converts an input string of an arbitrary length to an output string of a fixed length, Think of it as a universally unique value that cannot be reversed like normal encryption. The individual voter's identity is cryptographically disassociated from their ballot when registration is confirmed. After that, the system recognizes only legitimate transactions for that activated ballot itself. The ballot is verified, secure, and irreversibly anonymous. Given enough computing power and time, theoretically, everything is hackable. To hack into even one voter transaction encrypted with one-way SHA encryption, you would need the computing power of a modern nation-state and more time than the universe has been in existence. That's true. That's academically verifiable. Right. Um, so it's talking about, it's talking about, yeah, it's saying that, oh, I got this, oh, I received the ballot. Okay, it's... I, you're worried about somebody I, I in the polling. You're worried about somebody in the in the board of elections that is part of the that's part of a hack. Right. Okay. You, you can only get you could only That's beyond their purview. This is the problem. Yeah, and I get you. I got to run, Mark. I do appreciate the uh, the insight. I think what they would say is that that's beyond their control. If you got a bad actor inside state government that is corrupt and is, you know, 
trying to mess with the election, that's beyond redo voting's uh, prerogative, but they would identify it. 